Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Late Flag, the aftermath show of the LFC Red Poets. Tonight we look back on last night's 2-1 defeat in a meaningless group game against UFG and I'm joined tonight by Pete Warburton and Ben Kent Jr. Tom Keegan sends his apologies and we'll also preview the big game of the weekend at home to Manchester United on Sunday. So, Pete, the team that was named to start, I thought it was a little bit stronger than I would have. I would have put out, to be honest, mate. I don't know what what you thought. Yeah, I, I when when it was named, I think there there was five in that lineup. I mean, you, you five excluding Keller, but five who, you know, if if they made the first team on Sunday, um, you wouldn't sort of raise an eyebrow. At, but I thought there'd be a few more changes, to be honest. So. Yeah, there was like half the team. You know, you look at Canarsie, Elias, Endo, Jones and Gakpo. And as I say, if any of them started on Sunday, it wouldn't raise an eyebrow. Then you just had a, a smattering of young kids um, to make up the the 11 and they include Quanser and that who has played first team. But yeah, so I, th- I thought he may have gone a little bit weaker, if that's the right term, or at least more youth anyway, you know. Um, but it was always going to be. I mean, you know, it, it was a dead rubber in that respect. And the one thing that you can probably take, we, we'll speak a bit more in depth about the game itself, but the one thing that you can take even prior to kick-off is these young kids who went over the likes of Gordon, Dope and Chambers, etc. Um, it's just an experience for them, you know, to travel as, as first choice for that night. And to be in a European game as well, so it's good grounding for them. You know they've played in, they've played in FA Cup and 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 sort of uh, Carabao Cup games, but at least they can they can put on the CV now that they've started a European game as well. So it's good for them, yeah. Ben, I must admit I was disappointed when I seen the team because I thought we went in too strong. I mean, I'm I'm sort of a firm believer in you. You look after your own house first, and then. Along the line, if you can help somebody else, that's fine. But, you know, I looked at that team when he heard it. And the first thing I thought of was, I can't wait for the final whistle to go in this match. So, we don't have any injuries. Because when I seen Canate starting, and, you know, and I seen you know, uh, Gakpo starting, and even Endo to a degree, I thought, don't want any of these sorts of picking up any nickels here. You know, we've got we've got a busy sort of couple of weeks coming up and we need you know we know you need all hands to the pump. I mean, I'd have started my my sort of front three would have I would have had Peter centre forward. I would have had your dad at centre half alongside um you know Kwanzaa. And I think I probably would have played you in centre midfield instead of Endo. So that's the lens I would have gone to. But you know where I'm coming from, don't you? I do, I do, mate, and I think I've made my thoughts perfectly clear on on other pods about the team that I would have took. I mean, I happily wouldn't have. I would have said to Jürgen, you know, let's go for a pint in the Freshfield pub in Formby and and watch the game there. You know, put your feet up and have a well earned rest. Um, but no, like you, I was took back by how strong the team was. Saying that, I think six or seven of them were expected and. To be fair, I would have played Endo. He was the one that I do think needs to get minutes in the team. 
And Curtis Jones coming back from injury, I, I do think he needs to get back into the groove because I do think he's going to be a key player for us over Christmas. But I agree with you on Gakpo and especially Canate with his injury record. I mean, the poor lad's made the glass, isn't he? Um, so I, I just thought with what Jürgen said about the amount of games that we've had and stuff like that, he sort of biting his nose off to spice his face by playing a strong team when we didn't need to. And like you, um, I was praying for no injuries and the final whistle to be blown after about two minutes. <laughs> um, but I think overall, Pete, the points that Pete made is spot on. You know, these young lads going out there, getting experience of playing for Liverpool Football Club in a European game away from Anfield. It's something the three of us would, you know, love to do, isn't it? So, um, fair play to them and hopefully, you know, it, as Pete said, it's something for the CV and hopefully they can build on it. Pete, when we're talking about the, you know, the game as a as a whole in the first half, try not to delve too much into what you thought of, you know, the young kids because what I want to do towards the end of this sort of uh, post-match chat is, is, is sort of focus on some of the young players that played and actually ask you individually what you thought of each of the performances and what you expect for the future from them, um, rather than sort of delve too much into each individual now, if that's okay. So we'll just ask you in general about about the first half. I thought Liverpool, again, just kept a lot of possession and they tried to hit us on the break a fair bit with a, with a fair amount of success. You have to add in the in the first half. But I have to say, once again, I thought the the playing surface was really poor for mm. a European mm. game. It looked very, very sort of boggy and sticky to me, rather mm. than the, the smooth services that that we used to seeing and playing on. I mean, and to be fair, Steve McManaman did say during his commentary that, you know, you can't be expected to play on, you know, snooker tables all the time. And I think that may be part of it, you know, the learning curve that some of the young lads got. Yeah, I remember. I remember a few years ago you were probably at the same meeting as me talking about that, and how he Gale came in, and he said that the kids these days in the academies that they, they literally are playing on billiard tables all the way through, and you know you could see in the first few minutes that that ground, you know, the ground was cutting up at the Andalek Stadium, so. You know, as as in sort of travelling away to represent Liverpool first team, playing on a pitch like that, it, it's it's a little bit more, you know, for them to another feather in the cap almost. But it it wasn't it wasn't conducive for the passing game really. We we did struggle, um, and we did look like a side that hadn't played together before, and and that start the eleven was the, was that. Plus the fact I think Union, um, they were playing the name rather than. The team we put out and they were desperate to be so you could tell that and there was some hefty challenges going in to be honest and I was a bit sort of like you with God I hope no one gets injured here and I'm not saying they were playing dirty but they were really treating it you know to, as a top a top game and I'm not too sure I don't think they could have got through anyway could they Les even if um, I think if, if, if they'd have wanted to lose or the lost yeah they could have got through but All right, so I suppose in that respect, they, they've got to go for it and that. But yeah, it, you know, the pitch wasn't good. Um, plus the fact, you know, as I say, that um, 
they, they I mean, they're top of their domestic league, so they're, they're not a bad side. You know, you're top of any, whatever country you're playing, if you're top of the first division, you've got something about you. But um, they, they just, I'm not, they weren't over vociferous, but, the, you know, the, there were times I was watching it. Um, obviously, I was watching it with me lad, and I said there were times that it did look a bit like men against boys, to be honest. And that was no, that not not even having a go at all, our lads. I'm talking about some of the senior uh, pros as well. They struggled on that pitch, you know, to try and get any continuity going. So, um, yeah, it was, it was like you say, it was a game that we could have done without, in fairness. And after the the referee blew the first whistle, you just wanted it over. And I think even the even the lads and girls who went over there supporting the Reds probably went more for like a little bit of a break and a, a you know, let's have a couple of drinks and a. Let's go to let's go to Brussels and have a couple of days out. I think I don't think they were expectant of anything either. So all in all, um, as long as we we come away without any injuries and, and any major concerns, it, it was just let's get in and let's get out and get home sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So Ben, the first half, Liverpool started off the game pretty well. Yo kept the ball pretty well, and then they they sort of started to pick up a little bit on the. On the inexperience of some of the players that that had started, and the lack of cohesion in the team, because as Pete said, you know, it was a it was a group of players who'd never played together before, so it was difficult for them to to get an understanding with some of the teammates, even though they've they've been training together, what's and what have you, and then they took a lead, which once again I have to say was a re- to me looked like a really dodgy. Offside decision because the guy looked at least a yard ahead, and we didn't we didn't really see any feedback about the being a check or or any of the the automated offside coming up. Next thing they just said, "Oh, it's a goal." And Steve McManaman even said, "Didn't he after the goal was scored on the replay?" Oh, yeah, he's offside. And immediately I seen the goal. I immediately said offside right away. So I was mm. quite. I was quite shocked, but you shouldn't be shocked anymore, really. You know, that the, that the goal was actually given. Yeah, I mean, it was one of them. And when Jürgen did his post-match interview and he sort of glossed over it and said, obviously, Union deserved the win. I don't think any of us would would argue with that. Um, but the first goal, he said, apparently was offside. And I think if... You know, if there was something riding on the game, he wouldn't have been that, you know, <laughs> easy going about it. Um, yeah. And I actually listened to a podcast this morning on the way to work with Howard Webb um, this week. And he was talking about VAR and referees and the the new the two new referees which are coming into the league this weekend, the female and the, the new uh, referee. Um, and he was saying that he's proud of the, how the referees are doing this year. And I was thinking... Well, you know, if if you're proud of what they're doing this year, then God knows what you'd be like if you weren't, because I just don't see it. And last night was another example of it. But, you know, it is what it is. We didn't deserve anything from the game. And it, it's always going to be difficult, isn't it, when you throw in so many youngsters into a team. It's, it, and I think Jürgen again alluded to this, that he's not going to judge any of them on it because it, it's too difficult. You can only judge them, really, if you're putting one into the first-choice team and seeing... You know, they get on there, but when you're putting four or five in at the same time, when, as Pete rightly says, Union were playing Liverpool last night and you could tell that was, well, you know, we won't 
it was the game of their life, wasn't it? That that's the game of their career so far, playing against us at home. Um, and you could see what it meant to them, and especially at the end as well in the stadium, they obviously enjoyed it. So it was never going to be a game that you can judge these youngsters in. Um, so for me, like, and I keep saying it, the main thing was just no injuries. Um, the the young lads will build from it. I've got no doubts about that, but. If truth be told, I can't say any of them really stood out for me. Pete, then we we sort of get get a corner and Swan Kwanza comes up with a lovely finish that that any of our forwards would have been proud of. And this time, you know, he got his first goal for Liverpool in his first European goal, and it wasn't chalked off. Um, and I think that I think he said afterwards, didn't he, that you know after what happened in the previous game. That's probably why he didn't celebrate too much, plus the fact which I liked from him, he was still annoyed about the goal we conceded. Yeah. It was almost although it wasn't on the volley, he controlled it first, but it was almost looking at Virgil, wasn't it? Yeah. Some of the, some of the shots and goals that he scored from from corners. But yeah, he took it well and like you say, he, he didn't celebrate and I mean I don't know where if he had in his head, or maybe someone was, you know, blocking the keeper who might have been offside, or, you know, hope, you know, like you just said, he he was still upset about um about conceding the goal, but like you've said before, I don't even think you needed the lines to see that that was offside. If you if you took the halfway line as a guide, Canate was far far more advanced if you want towards that line than their forward was, and. I just thought it was it was going to be an easy decision, and we and we crack on with the game. But I don't know whether whether it's. Uh, I know I think over in Europe where we see on the monitors and that the lines getting drawn. I don't know if they go into it that deep over there, but even looking at it with you know just as it was in the angles and that he he looked off, but yeah, he took his goal really well, and um, I thought he didn't have a bad game, Quantas, to be honest, and I was made up for him to get that because. The one, the one that was chalked off in France, um, that was just that was just a ridiculous decision to be honest. So yeah, I was made up that he got his goal, and as I say, I think he capped a heart, you know a decent performance by him all nice. Funny enough, Pete, I'm just thinking there out loud. Had that goal rightly as it should have been allowed in France, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then UFG would have gone through last night yeah. because yeah, they'd yeah. have had a. So losing about two points less, wouldn't he? So, yeah. so they would have gone through as well on a dodgy, a dodgy decision. So, so yeah. So um, I move on to you, Ben. Now in the fact that we get it back to one-one, and then they they then go ahead with a with a, a good goal. But I think a few people on Twitter blame Kelleher because he was beaten on his near post. But I thought it was a decent strike. Maybe we look too deep and think, you know, and we look at Allison and think, you know, Allison would have probably saved that. But it was a good strike. It was, and yeah, like one of the lads um, said exactly the same that you shouldn't be beat on your near post from there. Um, but for me, it was a good effort, and I mean, listen, Kelleher isn't Allison, and he never will be, and that's no slant on him you know Alisson as we've said on this pod before is comfortably the best goalkeeper in the world and maybe he would have saved it maybe he wouldn't I thought Keller had you know 
did all right in the game generally, you know, did a few good saves. He was unlucky with the first goal as well. He he touched the ball, didn't he? And then it hit onto it ricocheted um onto the attacker. But um just going back to the Kwanzaa goal, you know what goal it reminded me of? Remember Martin Skirtle against City away? Um, See what which reminded me of Ben while you're talking about reminders. Sammy Yupier against was it um Juventus or Arsenal in the Two didn't he? No, he scored the volley. The one he scored with the volley in the uh, okay. oh, on the back post. Yeah, the back post. Yeah, yeah. 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 but yeah, the one the one it really reminds me of was Skirtle against City in the okay. yeah, against yeah. first year when we beat them like four one or something like that. And I agree on um Kwanzaa for generally he had a good game. He's a bit for the first goal. He sort of got caught out, but it was offside. Um. So, so I've completely forgotten your question now. <laughs> so I'm going off on a bit of a rant. I just said about about you know there were some people it was a good strike, but some people on Twitter yeah, were blaming Kelleher for it because he was yeah. Like I said, I mean I I do think he could have been better, but I don't think it was a howler by any stretch of the imagination. So for me, it's just it goes down as he's our number two keeper. He's not going to be as good as Allison. He's never going to be as good as Allison. But for me, that's fine because he's on number two, and as a capable backup keeper, he's fine. Yeah, I mean the thing is, just while we're talking about backup keepers, and you know, we'll bring you on this in a minute, Pete. But just get Ben's opinion first. I think people have got to have got to remember that no matter who you get as a backup keeper, you know, if you if you got rid of Kelleher in the summer. And you brought in another keeper, there's still going to be a massive drop off when Allison isn't playing. And yet, mm. you could look at that backup keeper and think, you know, I wish we had Kelleher because he's not as good as him. And I think the only reason people sort of question Kelleher is because you know when you when you're looking at the best in the world and you've got you've got a drop off. That keeper can be, you know, a really good goalkeeper, but he's still not going to be to the level of the best in the world. So mm-hmm. it's like, isn't it, when if you go back to the to the days, you know, if you you know, if you're playing Clements in one half for England and Chilton in the other, there's basically not a lot of difference between them. Clements was the better keeper. But the drop off isn't that much. But then if you're playing Clements and say a Joe Corrigan, then mm-hmm. there was a bit of a drop off if you see what I mean. And you're never gonna get that where you're gonna have the best and the, the second best goalkeeper in the world, because if you're the second best goalkeeper in the world you're going to be one to be playing every week. So yeah, people yeah. need to accept what it is. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I sort of agree with Ben. I, I I wouldn't blame him for the goal. It was a good strike and he sort of carved, he carved us up a bit, didn't he, on that break. Um, I thought, if anything, he was a yard too far to the left and if he hadn't have been yeah. a little bit better, he, he might have got a hand to it. But yeah. I thought all in all, he had a, a decent game. He made some good saves. Um. He made a save actually before their first goal where the lad who looked like Peter Crouch had, had a pan of scouts down him. He was a big lanky <laughs> fellow. But he, he had a bit more he had a bit more weight than Peter Crouch on him. But he, he ran through and he made a good save off him. And and then in the second half he made a couple of other good saves. So I don't think he had a bad night at all. But um yeah, you're right what you say. If you know I think it's gonna be a big big summer for uh, Quivine because it could even be a big January because there's going to be other clubs look at him and think he could be our number one. He is that good. And it's probably going to get to a stage. I don't know. I don't know how long he's got left on his contract, but he, he, 
I'm not saying he's going to ask to leave, but there might be other clubs come knocking, if not in January in, in the summer, and he, he might have a decision to make, you know. I think I think in January it'd be difficult because of the homegrown thing, Pete. You know yeah. what I mean? With not being able to bring in maybe a, a you know an overseas goalkeeper. I can't. I couldn't see Liverpool letting Kells go in January anyway. Yeah. I think it's more likely to be a discussion, you know, for next summer. To be honest, and mm-hmm. maybe if that because but with Adrian probably leaving as well. You know what I mean? That might be at the opportunity to you know to promote Pitaluga. You know what I mean? As your number two goalkeeper, if if Keller went, um, but yeah, and and keep one of the other goalkeepers around as your number three, but yeah, that will be that will be interesting. What's your view on it, Ben? Well, I, I don't think he'll go in January, and I'll tell you why. Because he's our cup goalkeeper, isn't he? So if we if we play West Ham before Christmas and beat them, then we're in the semi final. But hang on, is it the semi? We'll be in the semi final. Yeah, we'll be in the two legged semi then, and then. He'll play that, and then he'll play in the final of that, and he'll he won't want to give that up. I don't think even for I I don't think any club's going to come in for him, Pete, because I don't think he's sold himself that well this year. I, I, you know, something I'm a big fan of his Ben, and I talk. No, I, Les, I, I'm not disagreeing no, I, with that. What you're my, my only worry about Kelleher is I don't have a problem with his shot stopping. It's his positioning, and I think when it's one on one. The, the big, massive, noticeable difference between him and, uh, him and Allison is Allison makes the goal look big. Uh, sorry, makes the goal look small because he, he he goes there big. And I don't think Keller has got that presence. I think he makes the goal bigger for the attackers than Allison, and that's where I think the big difference is. And I think he's been caught a few times this season um, for us. And I I genuinely don't think he'd be here if it wasn't for the Southampton game, the last game of last season. I think that that game put off a lot of clubs. That that's just my opinion on it. Um, I do think if he was given a run for us, if he was our goalkeeper for the season, I think he'd be fine. But I don't think we'd be talking about Liverpool as potential title winners. No, I I agree with you, Ben, because I think if he'd have been if he'd have been around at the level he, he was, he was playing when we won the we won the league cup, and the games he played that season when he deputised for Allison. If he'd have been around and coming from Mignolet at that time and we didn't have Alisson, everybody would have been fine with him as a goalkeeper. I do agree what you're saying. I think that his form seems to have dropped off a little bit since since that season where where we you know where he where he was pivotal in us winning the League Cup. And I also agree with what you said about his performance at Southampton at the back end of last season. It was his first game that he played for months. He was obviously rusty, but he didn't cover himself in glory that day, let us say. And if any club was thinking about coming in and making a bid that would have been deemed acceptable like Liverpool, that might have made them think twice about doing it. And to be honest with you, although I think his performances have improved sort of each game this season as he's played more, I thought he played really well, you know, in the way game against Sheffield United, by the way, where he's a bit rusty mm-hmm. at home against Fulham and in a couple of the early European games, you know, he was also looked rusty. I do think he hasn't quite got the level back that he had a couple of seasons ago, but he did have he did have more games that season to get to get his rhythm up and running. 
And again, just going back to what you were saying there, you know, when he when he sort of replaced Adrian after the derby at Goodison, he played, and I think it was the the Champions League game against Ajax at home in the in the COVID season behind closed doors. He was a big upgrade on Adrian, so everybody was quite happy with him. Yeah. And that just shows you, doesn't it, the you know the the difference between Keller and Adrian is the difference between Allison and, and Kells. Yeah. So, so you know, you you're looking at levels, aren't you? At the end of the day, so but yeah, I think he's, I think he's fine as a number two because, you know, it's really difficult to go and get a number two goalkeeper who's where there's not a big drop off if you've got a really really top quality keeper. So Pete, we we go in a half time. Yeah, Crack on. He's just coming to mind there. Do you remember the number two we had? It was a decent keeper, Danny Ward. And yeah. he left, and you don't hear from him now, do you? Don't no. hear anything. He but... didn't cover himself in glory at Leicester at all. No. But, you know, it, 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 as I say, it could well be down to, to Kovin in the summer. If, I'm not saying he asked for a move, but if clubs show a certain interest, but it's not always the grass is always greener, is it? You know, no. as I say, Danny Ward was a decent keeper. You know, play play for Wales and everything, but he's he's disappeared without a trace, to be honest. So yeah, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how, how both the club and the player himself sort of um you know approach it. You know, anyway, crack on, mate. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine, Pete. It's a, it's a decent point you were making there. I'm just saying, Pete, we we go into one down a half time, and then to my to my source is shock and dismay. The team comes out for the second half, and off <laughs> on comes Joe Gomez and and um, and Graven Birch, and off goes Endo and Ibu. And while I was as quite pleased to see them two go off, mm. I was I was still sort of looking at the clock, counting down the minutes of the final whistle because I see Joe Gomez on the field and and Graven Birch on the field, so I was having the same sort of please don't let anybody get a knock here situation um, as it was in the first half and I just wish he'd have put on Tom Hill and um, and Callum Scanlon at that point and left yeah. left them on and then later on in the second half he then brings Darwin on and I'm thinking oh no what are you doing this for we don't yeah. need to win this game Jürgen. you I know. know I mean there was oh, a yeah. lot of um, a lot of dissenting voices even prior to kick off saying when we went to Mitterland and, and obviously it was a Jossa that got the injury yeah. over there and it was the dead rubber and you can't you can't win whatever you do. I think I think possibly Jürgen's thought was I think it was a planned substitution. I think he was gonna give Canate a half and Joe Gomez a half come what may. Um and almost treat it as a you know, as a run out prior to the United game. But as I say, they were really up for it, Union and Without you know, there, there could have been a, a challenge. There was a couple of challenges. There, there were there was one on. Um, I think there was one on. Who was it? Bradley, I think. And he he took a bit of a buffering off them and that. And you just think it's it's just you know one bad tackle and then you're down one of your first teamers and that. So yeah, I was a little bit. I thought Kumas might have got a nod as well. I thought he might have got a little run out, but I don't think he was going to entirely put the kids out. Although we were wishing he would, you know. So yeah. yeah, your heart was in your mouth a bit when when some of the first team, you know, the first choice ones, 
went in for 50-50s and the like. But um, it wasn't really, you know, going back to the state of the pitch, it wasn't a good pitch. I mean, there was the run that's, was it Gravenberg or was it, um, I can't remember who had the run, but his boot came off in the challenge and it wasn't a bad challenge. But yeah, it, 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 it was just one of them games. It was the type of game where you could literally, if it wasn't Liverpool playing, you'd probably have switched off, to be honest. You'd have yeah. probably turned over and watched another programme. It wasn't very it wasn't very entertaining fair, to be honest, you know. I mean, it was more a case of I mean, I always watch Liverpool games anyway. Oh, God, yeah. But but for me, it was like it was like a pre season game. You know, yeah. where you watch it without any jeopardy. And the only jeopardy I was worried about was people getting injured. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you were saying there, I do think the you know the the, the changes were probably pre pre planned. But what I noticed more in the probably in the first half, the second, is we I thought we we defended a little bit deeper in the second half. I don't mm. know what you thought about that. So there wasn't as much turning around and chasing the ball back. Whereas in the first half, Ibu kept being turned and the ball was going over the top a lot and he was having yeah, to chase it back. The, the, and I'm to please don't pull a muscle here. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of space for them to run into in the first half, yeah. didn't there? And like you say, I think he must have gone, they must have had a, had a talk at half time and he said, just defend 10 yards deeper and don't give them any space to run into. Um, yeah, it was quite evident that first half. Beside the the, the save that Quivine made and, and their two goals, they had a couple of occasions where they broke away uh, because there was so much grass to run into, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think he probably looked at that, Jürgen, and thought, no, they're not going to do that to his second half. So, yeah, they did. Tend to tend to defend deeper, but then obviously it's harder getting up the top of the pitch than when you're deeper, you know. Yeah. So Ben, they had a they had a goal disallowed in the in the second half for, for handball, um, and they had another couple of say near misses. We didn't really look like um, you know getting back on level terms until the last couple of minutes. Really, where there was a a couple of scrambles in the box. I think the the goalkeeper made a, a good save from, it might have been Gravenbach, yeah. where he pushed it over the bar. But I I don't know about you, but I I think the players played well within themselves. And I think it was a, a case of, you know, in their own minds as well as ours, was let's not do anything here to, to, get, it, get, to get injured. You know, we've got, we've got bigger fish to fry, you know, over the coming weeks. And it was just a case of let's let's get this game over, let's get back on the plane, and let's get back to Liverpool, you know, with with and get ready for the game against Man United, you know, on Sunday. So, so yeah. So were you were you as equally disappointed as me when you seen the likes of Graven Birch, Nunes, and Joe Gomez come on to to the fray? Peter, I was disappointed that they got on the plane to 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 leave. <laughs> speak, never mind, get on the pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I think the thing with Nunes, I think Jürgen's trying to play him back into goal scoring form, so I, that's the only reason why I think he came on the pitch. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm slightly concerned about Ibu. I, I think his form has been debatable over the last few games. I don't think he covered himself in glory yesterday either, um, to the point where I can't see him starting on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gravenberg did what he normally does when he comes on. He 
I do like him as a midfielder. He's got something that our midfielders don't have when they, they run with the ball. He's got a, a lovely turn on him when he receives the ball on the half turn and just drives with it. Um, and I think that, that chance at the end for Kwanzaa when Kelleher came up, I just thought he was going to do it again from a corner when it dropped to his foot and he was a bit unlucky. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was only rarely the, the younger players, the ones on the fringes of the first-team squad that looked like they weren't playing within themselves and not get injured, if you know what I mean. Um, even the likes of Harvey were was playing within himself. So they obviously had Sunday and the Christmas period on their minds like the fans did as well. OK, so now, before they ask you to, to sort of name your, your player of the match last night, I'll just ask you about some of the, the young kids who who sort of appeared last night. I'll start with you, Peter. And Connor Bradley, what did you make of Connor's performance? Um, as you say, I think I think the team as a whole played well within itself. But obviously, obviously the kids wanted to go out and impress. But uh, I didn't think he had that bad a game. I mean, I think I think it was going to be difficult for anyone coming into the team, you know, because they, as I say, they hadn't played before, and. You know what our pitch is like and, and most of the pitches in the Premier League. And that was a little bit more, if not the baseball ground of old, it wasn't a very good pitch to play football on, was it? But I no. thought he had a decent game. And and it was nice to hear after the game when Jürgen was interviewed. And I think a couple of the the journos the were maybe trying to tee him up to have a go at the kids. And he wasn't having any of that. And he said, look, I picked the team. And, uh, you know, we got beat 2-1, so it's down to me. Um, he he wasn't going to have a go at any of the kids, but I thought I thought he had a, a decent game. Yeah, I thought he played all right. Ben, what did you make of Connor? I just thought, just as a an overview thing, I think the the one thing that I noticed about the most of them was that they need to physically develop a little bit more. They mm. seemed a little. It did seem like when you, you know, when you when you suddenly go from sort of uh, schoolboy football and you're playing. You play kids your own age, and then you go into play against yeah. you know under eighteens, and you suddenly find that you know where you knock another kid off the ball. You know, was it, you know when you were playing in your own age group, you, you it was like running into a brick wall when you were running into some of the the under eighteens and stuff or open age football. And I think that's I think there's no doubt that a lot of these lads have got tremendous ability, but they need to develop physically a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I'd go as far as saying I don't think we'll see much of the young lads again this year, um, potentially in the West Ham game at home. But I thought he looked like a player that had a bit of an injury for a while coming back. He's, he's obviously a confident lad and his touch was decent. Um, it's it, Like I said earlier, it's difficult to judge, especially when you're watching it on the TV as well. Um for me, there's obviously potential there. Um, but I think, you know, a year in the a Kirby is going to do, do in the world of good, really. Yeah. And I'll move on now. Peter, the lad who was on the other side, Luke Chambers. I mean, I'm a big fan of Luke. Um, I watched him play, make his debut for the 18s when he was 15. And he also, he looks a class act. Um. I've watched him play for the 23s, and again, he's always looked one of the better players when he's played in that level. 
But when in the couple of games we've seen him this year play for the for the first team, I'm a massive fan. I think he's got a massive future. But I just think he needs to develop physically. And yeah. he, I think he's struggled um, and not sort of shown his true ability. And I think he may have, might have been a little bit overall, but he did stick to the task very well, I thought. Yeah. I think I think he hit the nail on the head, and I think I mentioned it earlier. You know, when you say men against boys, and there were there were occasions there that he did look, um, not out of the depth, but certainly physically, second best. Because the you know as I say, I've said it on seen times already that that uh, Belgian side were were hell bent on getting the, the Liverpool scalp, weren't they? Um, you know, even the likes of Ben Doak, who's got like a low centre of gravity, I think he struggled a bit to try and influence anything. And Cade Gordon, so I think I think a lot of it is to just physical development with these lads. But I don't think any of them disgraced themselves by any means. I mean, if we'd have got a thumping last night, you know, there might have been a few heads dropping, but they, they certainly didn't. He didn't disgrace themselves in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think it's it's like you say it is all down to to physically developing. So I'm sure they'll be in the gym and eating. You know, if Shanks had have had them, they'd have been on raw meat. I think they'd have been eating steak every day. You know, so it is all down to the developments. And um, you know, they they'll play together again at some stage. Whether like Ben said, it may not be this season, um, because now we're you know we're getting to the tasty end of the cup games. It depends who we get. If when we knock Arsenal out the cup, if we get someone like Shrewsbury again, we might play them again. But it's getting to the stage of the season now where you doubt they'll all sort of play in a cup game now. So um, it'll all be down to development, development, and this will do them the world of good. This, you know, to to go away in Europe and, and represent us, you know. Yeah. So Chamberlain did. Uh, Chambers, sorry, Ben. Did you sort of think that that he sort of he did okay, but he didn't sort of really sort of do anything to push Costas out of the way yet because he still needs to develop physically? Yeah, I mean, I think he's miles off challenging Costas, to be honest with you. I thought out of the pair of him and... Um, oh, God, my mind's gone blank, the lad that we're just... Yeah, I, I thought Chambers was probably a little bit behind him, if truth be told. Um there's a couple of times where he got caught. But he's a year there. younger as well. So well, exactly. So, you know, he's a year behind them. I and I, 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 It's difficult, isn't it? But I think out of the two of them, I think he's a little bit further behind. And again, it's not a bad thing. You know, he's younger. Um, but again, you can see that there's potential there. And it's difficult to judge them in a game like like last night. If it if you put him in our first choice team with everybody else, you might look totally different and more composed. Um, so I, I'm not going to write any of them off, but I would be surprised if we see them again this season. Yeah, so we'll move on now. We'll 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 uh, we'll do the next two together in in Ben Doak and Kate Gordon. And I'll be honest with you, I think Ben Doak hasn't sort of done himself justice in the games that he's had this season. He's a player who's took the eye at every level that you've seen him play in pre-season. He took the eye. And I think maybe the expectation from from us, the fans who watched him play, was probably maybe a little mm. bit, a little bit too much. But I think that in all the games he's played, he hasn't really sort of took 
the opportunities to say, you know, I'm ready to be your, your sixth choice forward. And I think Kate Gordon showed a little bit more that he was starting to get over the injury. He looked a little bit more ready. And I think of the two of them, if we had to pick one, you know, when, when Salah goes to the Afghan to be involved in the first team squad, you know, to come off the bench, I think at this at this stage at what I've seen, I would go for Kate Gordon. I don't know whether you agree with that, Peter. Yeah, it's I don't I don't think either of them, like you said last night, I don't think either of them um stood out really. I, th- I thought Ben Ben Dope always He's very, very skillful, but to me, he's, he, I've seen him play and he's where he beats a man, but it's almost like he wants to go back and do it again. Um, and he's got great potential, as as is Kate. I, I mean, he's been unlucky with injuries, God, and he really has. But um, I don't know, I don't think either of them stood out, but I don't think it was the right type of pitch for them either. It, it wasn't, I keep saying it, but you could see where the ball was. It was sticky, it was a sticky pitch, wasn't it? And they yeah. didn't really have a chance to shine either way. But as I say, I'd never have a go at any of the, any of the kids. None of them, none of them were disgraced last night. They all, you know, they all had a go last night. It just wasn't to be. And I think, like you say, we were playing in second gear. To be honest, I think obviously if we'd have had to go out and win the game, there'd have been a lot more personnel changes. So um, I, I think Jürgen just said, go out and enjoy yourselves and have a, you know, have a go sort of thing. That's the the, the least you can do. And um, you know, at the end, we could almost have got a point at the end when um, we got that corner late on. So, yeah, all in all, as I say, they they weren't bad, but they weren't fantastically good either. Yeah. So, what did you make of them, both of them, uh, Ben? Pretty much what Pete said. I think with Doak especially, I think in the summer we were all probably guilty of this, weren't we? Like we'd seen like the YouTube clips and. Um, the preseason games, and you think that he's going to be the next one on the conveyor belt to make it from, well, I was going to say Melwood, but Kirby. I mean, I was listening to another podcast the other day about the international Scotland and this talk about him being in the international squad for Scotland, and he's miles off that. I think Doak needs a loan, a loan move. I, I think that is, out of all the players that we're talking about, I think especially him, he's going to be the one that would benefit the most from even if it was in the championship, you know, sending them to like the likes of Blackburn or whatever to like Elliot did, like Tyler Mawson did, um, go there, get a full season behind against, you know, big centre halves to toughen up a little bit. Cause he look, he's a strong lad. And like even last night, he, he has got strength about him, but I just think he needs proper games now. Um, and I think Kay Gordon, like we said, I think out the two, he was the better one. And maybe, um, it's difficult to judge both of them and say who's going to be the better one of the two. But I think a year or two ago, um, Kay Gordon looked really good at Anfield. And you're thinking, like he scored in the FA Cup and stuff, I think. And um, last night it was one of his first games back, wasn't it? So he didn't really do that much. But even alone for him wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because I know you talked about the AFCON then. If either of them play in the league for us this season, I, I'd be I'd be shocked. Um, they might get a few minutes at the end of the games, but you know when Mo goes off to whatever the African nations is, you know these lads aren't going to start for us. So um, they did all right last night, but I think Doha definitely definitely needs a loan. Yeah, and we also seen cameos from Scanlon and McConnell, 
who both did, again, did okay. And I, I totally agree with what you all said. None of the lads disgraced themselves last night. They all give everything they could for the shirt, and that's all you can ask for. But it was, they do need to develop a bit physically. But having said that, you know, to, to, to play in that team, in that environment, it'll all be good for the development. It'll only be, you know, a game that they will look back on with great pride. You know, that they've played for Liverpool in Europe and, they'll, you know, they go away, continue to improve, continue to develop and hopefully, you know, improve the game and improve the physicality. So the next time they're called on, hopefully in future seasons, they'll be they'll be closer to, the, to, to where they need to be to compete at that level and to excel. So, right, just quickly, your player of the match from last night, Pete? Uh, as I say, it wasn't a fantastic performance by anyone on the team, really. But I thought the two that probably stood out, I thought Clavine made some good saves. As I say, I thought for the, the second goal, he may have been a yard to the left. But, you know, I'm not a goalkeeper and he is. Um, but I'd give it to Kwanzaa for his overall play. But I was made up that he got the goal after being robbed of the goal in Toulouse. So I'd give it to uh, Jarrell Kwanzaa. Ben? Snap. Like, literally, I, I wasn't really going to mention Kelleher. I was only going to talk about Kwanzaa. Um, it, not nobody really stood out last night, did they? Um, for us, but I thought Kwanzaa with the goal that he took really well. Um, he obviously got caught out a couple of times defensively, but he's a young lad, isn't he? Um, considering really, I knew nothing about him in the summer. Um, out of the youngsters now, I think he's head and shoulders above everybody else that we've got. Um, and like I was hinting earlier on. I would not be shocked if he started on Sunday. Yeah, so I'll, I'll make it a full house now, though, for, for Kwanzaa as well. I thought he battled through the whole at the 90 minutes. It wasn't a perfect performance. He made a couple of errors, but he's still a young player. He got his goal and he gave everything for the shape, made him important blocks. So, yeah, I thought he was the, he was the one who, who sort of stood out in a, in a very ordinary performance, really. So we'll move on now to preview the big game on, on Sunday against Manchester United. And Pete, have you had your pen and paper out? Writing down your team for the I've uh, got, for I've Sunday. Got, I've got what I think the team will be, yeah. Got me to run through. Go ahead then, Pete. Uh there's a couple there's a couple of places that's either or, but um I think it's down to whether people are back from injury or not. But I've gone with Alison Trent, Virgil. The either-or is Gomez or Canate. I'm not too sure. I think he might start with Joe. Uh, Costas. And then across the middle, I've gone for Soberslai. I've said Endo because I don't think Mac McAllister's going to be fit, is he? And I've put Gravenberch in because I think if we go for United early on, we can. I'm not saying we're going to get five, six or seven, but I think we should really go with them. And then up front, I've gone Salah, Diaz and Nunes. Okay. So, uh, Pete's name is is starting eleven. Ben, have you got yours ready? I've just got my pen out and it's red, right? Okay. So slightly, slightly different to Pete. Yeah. Obviously, the goalkeeper Allison. You know, no yeah. questions there. Trent at left back. Left and back. And I'm already talking about Kwanzaa, but I do think it'll be Gomez and Virgil centre half, uh, with Costas at left back. Right. Sobersly. Jones, Gravenberg in midfield. 
Salah, Gakpo, and Diaz. Right. So we're uh, no, 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 not Jones, Elliot in midfield. Right. Okay. Right. So we're all going to have different teams this time because I've gone for um, Ali and Goal, obviously. Uh, Joe Gomez, right back. Ibu. Ibu and Virgil as centre backs. Costas, left back. In midfield, I've gone for Pete Lovechild, supposedly I. Um, I've gone for Trent as the six and Curtis Jones down the left. And then up front, I've gone for Vassala, Nunes and Diaz. And that it will be interesting to see. So we've all named different teams there to see which way it goes. And it could be that none of us have got it right, which will probably be the case come, come sort of half past three on Sunday when, when the team drops. But I think I have to say, lads, I'll start with you here, Pete. I think that United are going through a real difficult patch at, at this time. Um, I think the manager's under all sorts of pressures. You know, they've got a lot of injuries. But I think it's important that, that we, the fans, don't go to the game thinking that we're already 3-0 up before the game has started. We've got to make sure that as far as we're concerned, we're playing Ferguson United at the weekend with with Neville starting, gig starting, and we go in and we, we, we sort of treat them with the respect they deserve and hopefully give them the spanking that they deserve, that are extra quality, and you know, and, and and the form suggests we will do. Yeah, well that's what I mean. It, I mean <clears throat> some of the lads are saying, you know, we're we gonna get five, six, seven. I, I I honestly think we're in for a tough game because the it depends what you hear from Man United. I mean, I, I haven't been privy to. Sp- I, I do know a couple of United fans, but I've not spoken to them recently. Um, only through work and the like, not local. But um, some say that he's lost the dressing room because of the way that the Jaden Sancho thing's been dealt, and you know they they don't even want to play for him anymore. But I think um. It, it, I thought it was quite funny actually last weekend when um, Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, got a booking in the 85th minute or something. The and deliberate he, one. Yeah, that's what that's what everyone's saying, and and it's almost like they haven't got the fight in them. They haven't got the. I think I think if they're going to miss anyone this Sunday, United, in a perverse way, it would be um, Harry Maguire because I think he would give them a bit of fight. Hey, please, it's funny you should mention Ali McGuire there because I'm telling you for why. Yeah. I was wa- I was watching a little bit of um, Man United sort of fan reaction after the game last Saturday against Bournemouth, and one of them said on there, he said them, he said Bournemouth scored. You know the fourth goal was disallowed. Mm-hmm. He said, and the, the he said some lad standing next to me says, well, at least we can say Ali McGuire's had a good game. <laughs> he said. He said the turns of his said. What did you say? He said at least Danny Maguire's had a good game. He said, yeah. He said that's like saying that the uh, the band on the Titanic sounded good as the Titanic was Titanic was thinking. <laughs> it may well be that, but I wasn't thinking of his football prowess. I was thinking more. They they haven't really got a leader on the pitch. I mean, the the captain they've got doesn't lead by example, does he? You know, well, he he been begging to come off at our place last season, yeah. and I yeah, and go hiding. And he's like Ben said, he's he's got a very um, dubious booking to miss out again. I was thinking more of a, you know, rallying the troops thing more than his footballing prowess. So, yeah. 
that's what that's what a couple of the lads in work have said. He said they, they've said to us we should batter them because they haven't got anyone. They haven't got anyone who's who can sort of knit them together. They haven't got a fighter there, you know. They've got certainly they've got some talent in the team, you know. Rashford's back, I think, from illness, isn't he? And if he wants to turn it on, he's a very good player. But it's almost like he's indifferent to the cause. Mm. And and you know, there's all stories coming out as I say that they, they don't like the way the Sancho business has been, you know, the way he's been ostracised by the manager, and they just can't be bothered playing for him. So. I mean, I'll obviously go for a Liverpool win at the weekend because I always think we're going to win every game. But I, I certainly can't think that we're going to, you know, maybe a two goal, a two goal win. But I don't think we're going to be in the realms of of the four and the seven that we've had in the last two seasons. And just before I finish, that half time last season when it was only one nil, I said to our Jack, I said we've got to keep on our metal here. I said we're only one up, and if they get one now, you know, it could change everything. And you know. Six goals later, we're running out the ground singing our heads off. So I, ju- I just think, I think the one there who, who probably will show a little bit of face uh, is is Luke Shaw. I don't know who's going to be. He's captain. injured. He's, he's, he's injured. No, but apparently he's fit. He was saying. Okay. I, I read today he was he was it, they were saying he was training again. So he was he was because um, I thought when he came off with the hamstring, I thought well that's a month out. And obviously, yeah, yeah Maguire is going to be out a bit more long. T- you know, he's going to be out for a few weeks. And I was wondering who the captain would be. I don't know if Luke Shaw, if he is fit, it might just be a bluff. I don't know. But I thought he said he'd, he'd train today. And I think Rashford's back. Um, I'm not sure Martial's playing. I don't, I don't really know who their 11 is going to be, to be honest. But um, it's not going to be if if we just if we just treat it with treat them with respect and the fact that you know. We go out and play our football, and that we should we should win comfortably. But uh, I don't think it's be going to be like anything like the last two seasons, four and seven. Ben, it is important, is it? Isn't it that we we go into this game both both players and fans? And I think Klopp has reiterated that, hasn't he? Where he says he doesn't like your people hearing about Manchester United being so bad because it can have a, a detrimental effect on the team and the fans. I think we've got to go there and, and treat it. I think and get an atmosphere up like with the underdogs like we used to be a few years ago. You know, when the likes of David and Gog were scoring against them and and you know, and people like that and think, right, you know, just let's get behind the team, let's create, you know, one of these really special Anfield atmospheres against Man United and let's get this game won. And if we're you know, if we if we if we go three 0 up after half an hour or we're three and up at our time and then you know people can just relax that's fair enough but I don't want people to turn up to the game just thinking that oh this United team are rubbish you know we only have to turn up to win because that's going to be detrimental to what we need to do it's important we win on Saturday to make sure uh, on Sunday sorry to make sure to come the close of business of that weekend's fixtures that Liverpool are still top going into the Arsenal game Arsenal got bright at the weekend so you never know, Brighton could get something off them. And then if we beat Arsenal at Anfield, we're going to be a minimum four points ahead of them then. So it is important, isn't it, that that we go in with both the right attitude on the terraces and on the field on, on Sunday. It is. I, I don't I agree with you. I don't really think it matters what the attitude on the terrace is going to be because the job that Jurgen does is he will keep the players grounded. Um 
It's funny that you should you mentioned David Engog there when he scored the second goal in front of the cop. That cost me an absolute fortune. That I hardly ever bet, right? And I put a tenner on Liverpool to win one nil. And we were winning one nil, and it was like the last kick of the game, and David Engog goes through, and I'm like literally the only Liverpool fan on the cop saying, Don't score, don't score. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it was, and Pepe Reina was the first man up. I've never seen a player run as fast in my life. Um, but no, I think the game on Sunday, and I've been guilty of this, and I've been guilty of it this season as well, where I've been overconfident, the Luton game being a massive one, where I predicted Liverpool to go and hammer them. Um, and that didn't work out. Um, but I'm a bit more... I mean, I'd take a 1-0. If you offer me a 1-0 now, I'd take it because nothing means more to me than beating them. And like you said, if if we beat them, um, then we're guaranteed to be top. Hopefully Brighton will do a job on Arsenal, which I'm not that convinced they will because they played in the Europa League last night. Um, and Arsenal played a very different team midweek in the Champions League. Um but I can't wait for the game on Sunday. I'm going to change my team slightly. I'm going to put Nunes in instead of Gakpo <laughs> uh, because of Gakpo played most of the game yesterday, didn't he? Um, whereas I think Nunes will be a bit more fresh. And he, he played really well. The, to be fair, both of the Nunes and Gakpo played really well against United at home last year. But Nunes came on at half-time, didn't he? I think he scored a two. Um, he certainly got two in the second half. Um, but I don't think... The, the players will be um, overconfident going in because it's just not in our mindset to do that. Um, but I think the fans have got every right to be so. I mean, I I remember going... That can work to the detriment, though, because sometimes that if the fans are overconfident going in, and this is why I think it is important that the fans are you know, treating this game like you would have done, say, in the David N. God game they've talked about. It's because if the fans get really up for the game, then the players ride on the emotions. Sorry, the that, that's what I mean, though. Like with the fans being confident, I just mean them being loud. And let's be honest, the crowd this year has been crap, hasn't it? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you, which so, is why I want them to go in and create a. Yeah, it's funny. That's what I meant. Like, the, the crowd are confident and up for it. Then I don't think there's, I think that's going to be for our benefit. Um, and I, I, I'm really hopeful that the atmosphere will be decent on Sunday. I'm glad that it's a half-full kickoff. It means, you know, the fans can have a beer or two beforehand, which should obviously help. Um, because the I am worried about the atmosphere on the cop. I I do think in the last year or two it's gone right down. Um, so I'm really hopeful because I think if Liverpool get an early goal on Sunday, which we've got the potential to do, I can see United folding. You know. And I just think that the atmosphere then could be really well, like last year with the the seven nil, like the second half, that atmosphere was brilliant, and I can see that happening again on Sunday. Um, I just, I really hope it's an early goal and the players settle and just go for it. I mean, you did see, we did see, didn't we? The difference, what you know, when the fans sort of get up for the game, even if it was only like for for ten, fifteen minutes against against Fulham, that got the team yeah. over the line. So if you can get if you can get that sort of atmosphere going from from whistle one, you know, then hopefully then you'll you know they, that will sort of transmit itself to the players and and they will go out and and give a really good account of themselves from from whistle one and and sort of take the game to United and 
and get the game and put it to bed as early as they, they possibly can. But but you know, like you, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I'm a little bit nervous. I'd take one nil if you'd offered it to me now. You know, and it's come it's come to the stage already now where and I said this last week, where every game I'm going into now, I'm thinking that the the result is so much more important than the performance. So I just want three points and I just think we're in we're in a massively important uh, part of the season where you know if Liverpool can carry on winning football games in the Premier League, then you know we could we could go a long way to 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 sort of making our dreams come true for me. So so on that note, I'll go to Pete first and say, what's your prediction for Sunday, mate? I'll just say I don't think it's going to be the the avalanche that some are predicting. I'll say a a two 0 win for the Reds. Ben. I'm going to go a bit more than Pete. I think three 0 Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with Pete on this one, and I'm gonna go for a a two 0 victory for the Reds, and that will see us, you know, still top of the table going into the game against Arsenal, um, you know, the front next Saturday, and let's keep our fingers crossed that that one of our predictions anyway comes true, and that we we walk out of Anfield singing, you know, come up past six on Sunday evening. So on that note. I'll uh, I'll finish the podcast by saying, just for the ninety-seven, you'll never walk alone. Don't bite the sun. And one thing, just before we finish, congratulations to Pete and his family and his son Jack and his partner Olivia on the the birth of his latest grandson, who is Thomas, who's being called after our one and only Tommy Keegan. <laughs> only only messing about with talking after Tommy. Well, let's be fair, he's a good lad, is Tommy, isn't he? And he, you know what I mean? When I mentioned it to Tommy, he said he couldn't have called him after anybody better. Les, but just congratulations, to let... Pete. Thanks, thanks, Les. And just to let you know, Jack's going the game on Sunday. Good lad, good <laughs> lad. I wouldn't expect anything left from him. What I said to him was, I said, wait, wait for the uh, announcements to be made. Will, the, will Jack Warburton go to the nearest steward? There's a nappy <laughs> need to change. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Pete, on that not happy note, we'll end the podcast. So, Bye, thanks, everybody, for listening. And see you all next time. <laughs>